0: Tensions between Saudi Arabia and Canada increase exponentially after the kingdom demands the return of a political refugee, Argentina condemns the UK for its continued hold on the Falkland Islands, and protests continue to grow in eastern Russia, calling for the resignation of Putin. This is The World at Large, and we are Politics 1001.
1: Politics 1001. The World at Large... Mm-hmm.
0: Thank you for tuning into the World at Large, brought to you by Politics One Thousand and One. Before we begin, just a quick reminder to give us a follow, share this with a friend, and leave a review. Please enjoy this episode of the World at Large.
1: All right, folks. I hear there's a lot going on in with Saudi Arabia and Canada. Oh very yeah, very odd indeed. It's very. Odd. I have our local expert here. Josh, to tell me all about it.
0: Absolutely, Ian. So, let's just jump right into this. Saudi Arabia is demanding from Canada, that Canada, hand over a political refugee named Sa'ad al-Jibri. And this man is being handed over because, well, he was a former Saudi official of the kingdom that was undoubtedly very powerful and influential during his time working for the kingdom. And Muhammad bin Salman, the current uh, crown prince of Saudi Arabia, is doing this in an effort to curb corruption. Mm -hmm. um, Because... His, his reputation was tainted a bit by Jamal Khashoggi and the whole murdering in the Istanbul consulate and everything. So he's trying to make up for his reputation by curbing corruption. So what did Saad al do? Good question, Ian. What he did is, <laughs> um, before fleeing to Canada, al worked as the number two in all of Saudi Arabia in the counterterrorism department, according to the U.S. State Department. And he did high this. up. Yeah, so he did this. For 17 years, and over those 17 years, uh, Al-Jabri managed to reallocate over $11 billion worth of the funds of his department to himself and his close associates. Wow. That is a lot of money, $11 billion. quite a bit. Yeah, and so he did this, and this is, includes to where the money went but is not limited to overseas funds private destinations Mm -hmm. as well as the as well as in financial bonuses for people who are close to him and this was likely to secure their silence and of course their loyalty to him as well because he doesn't want them ratting him out to the king (laughs) that might be a bad look
1: might be a little bad look
0: yeah so he managed to get away for this he managed to get away with this for a while because muhammad bin naif the former crown prince of saudi arabia was actually a beneficiary of the scheme, so he accepted money as well. And it wasn't until the palace coup in 2017 when Muhammad bin Salman, the current crown prince, took over mm-hmm. that um, this man was, of course, f- forced into exile. Exposed. Because Al Jabri, Yeah, he was exposed, exactly, because it, once um, Muhammad bin Salman took over, he found out what was happening. Mm-hmm. However, al-Jabri managed to escape to Ottawa before anything bad happened to him. And so he is now seeking asylum there. However, his family has been seized by the Saudi government and that he you know, they were arrested. Yeah. And so this is yeah. a, uh, <laughs> as a way to get Al Jabri to come out and be like, Okay, I surrender, don't hurt my family. Um and so that's that's kind of the incentive there with the uh-huh. whole seizing the family thing. Um and so this has been a large source of tension between Canada and Saudi Arabia because Canada is actually very hesitant to hand him over because of his extensive knowledge and secrets of the kingdom. Um he, he-
1: That could be beneficial.
0: For Canada, yeah. Um, And he has assets on both the royal family as well as uh, the country in general. And so, in other words, Riyadh kind of looks at Al Jabri as a national security threat. And so Canada, sneaky little Canada, (laughs) is going to, of course, take advantage of that. Saudi Arabia wants him. Well, you know what? I have him. I'm going to take advantage of this. Sorry, eh? So, when asked by journalists, can the Canadian Foreign Ministry will never directly answer the question. They always try to avoid it. They try to push into a different topic because they don't actually want to acknowledge whether they're sending al back as a means to you know, kind of right. chill the peace with Saudi Arabia. However, um, <laughs> <laughs> shut up. And so, because of that, um, you do see the Canadian Foreign Ministry attempting to be kind of lax about this. And so, they do like not want. Up.
1: When you say lax, you mean like quiet about it? Just avoiding the topic, okay. and
0: so because Al Jabri has a very extensive knowledge of computer science, and again, he understands the inner workings of the Saudi government, which is very valuable for Canada. Mm-hmm. Apparently, and so <laughs> um, yeah, that's why you see. And so Canada is very hesitant to um, send him back because that would likely mean certain death for him, or life, a very lengthy prison sentence with some beatings, and so um,
1: sprinkled in there.
0: Yeah, exactly, and
1: not very good for him.
0: No, and so... But then there's his family over there. His family's over there, exactly. So, a little bit of a moral dilemma for Al Jabri and Canada in general. However, it's going to be interesting to see how this turns out, huh? Uh,
1: Yes, it is.
0: Yeah, so if he gets extradited, that could be some... That could improve the relations between Ottawa and Riyadh. Mm -hmm. But we shall see. Yes, we shall! So, what else we are going to see today is a little bit of a dispute between the UK and Argentina. Oh, really? I've (laughs) never...
1: You didn't heard I didn't they have disputes really they do. That's, that's sarcasm.
0: <laughs> yeah, you'd think these two countries would have no disputes, but nope, they've actually been fighting for a while. In fact, it is the 187th anniversary of the British taking over the Falkland Islands. Uh, well woo if you're British, I guess but um, the Argentinian embassy to Washington DC. Acknowledge this a lot. Um, they were decided to be very angry. No other embassy did this, but the one to Washington, D.C., that one had to speak on this. And so they mm-hmm. said, and quote, to mark 187 years of illegal occupation by the United Kingdom, Argentina reaffirms its imprescriptible sovereignty rights over the hashtag Malvinas, South Georgias, and South Sandwich Islands and the surrounding maritime areas. So essentially, Falkland Islands are mine.
1: Yeah, yeah I mean, they used a hashtag, which means they are serious.
0: It could mean nothing more than that, Ian. And so, furthermore, the UK, on this anniversary, decided to, you know, push the boundaries a little bit, and they held some military exercises on the Falkland Islands. Really? Which prompted a very harsh response from Argentina Foreign ministry. Um, and so this is what released in Buenos Aires, uh, when after the UK held these exercises. And they said, and quote, Argentina's government strongly rep... Repudiates military maneuvers in our illegitimately occupied territory. It is an unjustified show of force. So, in other words, to simplify, Argentina th- th- thinks that Britain is a little bit cocky by holding these military mm-hmm. exercises right off their island. They're saying these are my islands, and you have the gall to hold <laughs> these exercises? <laughs> the, the, to hold these exercises it. off of the Falkland Islands—that is absolutely ridiculous and disgusting in their mind. They're mine. They're mine mis islas and so um so argentina <laughs> believes these islands to be theirs naturally and all eh, but what's interesting is that most of the residents of the Falkland islands actually don't want to be part of argentina in fact they prefer to be uh-huh. a british overseas territory really yep this is proof and evident um after a vote in 2013 in which the citizens of the islands pretty much unanimously decided that they want to stay british uh-huh. and This is not much of a shock to me, or you, Ian, or anyone in the world, because everyone who lives on the Falkland Islands is, for the most part, British. So, naturally, they prefer to keep speaking English. They prefer to have British benefits, like the healthcare system, Mm -hmm. um, the opportunities that it is to be a British citizen. The queen. The queen. (laughs) And so, so, yeah. Yeah, It's nice being a British citizen, I guess. And so, (laughs) they prefer that over Argentina. However, Argentina has stressed the importance of a diplomatic solution, and they do not, under any circumstances, find it appropriate to have military exercises on this island when Britain knows really well that these are disputed with Argentina. Mm-hmm. And so by holding it there, it's pretty much a slap in the face to Argentina and Buenos Aires in general. Right. And Argentina, again, has stressed this diplomatic solution um, because, again, they think it's unnecessary to hold these military drills. And so Argentina is planning on sending a diplomat in August to London to discuss the islands that it claims and recognizes as their own. They're going to send a diplomat there. He's going to have a little chat with the British a bit foreign, of tea. foreign minister. Maybe some tea. What's his name? Dominic Raab. Is he the foreign minister of Britain? I think so. And they're going to have a little bit of a discussion. Um, Argentina is going to politely ask to have the islands back, and Britain's going to say no. And, <laughs> and then um, that's going to be that. But however, they are going there and negotiating it on a serious note because they do believe it's back. And Argentina has threatened Britain by saying, look, man, South America's actually on our side. Brazil, Chile, Venezuela, uh, Colombia, Uruguay, they all agree with us in our stance. You're the occupier. You're the bad guy. You're imperialist. So give us our island back. Um, and of course... Argentina in 1982 actually did act on this threat and when in the f- uh, f- infamous Falkland Wars under Margaret Thatcher when she was the Prime Minister of the UK in which 282 British soldiers died and I believe 561 or something around there Argentinian soldiers died. So it was a pretty deadly clash um, for some islands. That, But a, a Brit- Britain naturally does not want to give them up because, well, first of all, they've had them for over 100 years at this point, almost 200, right. and there are, everyone there is British, and it's a very strategic Um, stronghold. Yep. So you see all that. But that is pretty much what's going on with the Falkland Islands. I did not expect to wake up this morning and be talking about the Falkland Islands. That is very interesting. I'm very happy I did update myself on some Falkland history.
1: Flashbacks to 1982 this Mm -hmm. morning, I guess.
0: Yep. All right. So we're going to move on now, Ian. Are we? We are. We're going to move on to the Democratic Republic of the Congo, in which an Ebola outbreak has been declared. And <laughs> in which, um, on, well, to be specific, on June 1st, this was declared. And since then, 53 new Ebola cases have been seen throughout the country, mostly in the war-torn areas that the nonprofits struggled to get to. And this is very dangerous because Ebola itself wreaked havoc on the Congolese people. But now you got COVID-19 sneaking in there, and all of a sudden, it's a big mess. And the healthcare system... I wouldn't say
1: sneaking. I would more say waltzing in there saying, hello. Pretty abrupt. Hello. Yeah. I'm <laughs> coronavirus. Yep.
0: Exactly. And very good. And so um, <laughs> mixing up the coronavirus and Ebola is just incredibly annoying for the nonprofits who are already tight on cash yeah. to treat all this stuff. Because again, the Congolese healthcare system is pretty much non-existent outside of Kinshasa. This is the capital, and so from a financial perspective, according to the WHO, they only have they have under two million dollars left, like one point five two, and um, which is only a few weeks worth of money for when you're treating millions of people. Right. And so this is exposing a very clear issue that they're low on cash. So what happens when we run out? I mean, that is pretty scary. And so
1: yeah, it's scary.
0: Yeah, but however, over twelve thousand people have already been vaccinated per well, a report good. of the UN itself. It is good, and so you do see that they're trying to get ahead of this before we run out of money. Let's try to get everyone vaccinated. We're not dealing with both of these at the same time. Uh, so you get an Ebola vaccination, you get one, you get one, you get one. Congratulations. Happy birthday. And so <laughs> everyone's getting miserable <laughs> vaccinations. So yeah, I mean, it definitely important to acknowledge that because again, Congo is going through a bit of a civil war right now. Yep. Um, confusing. This conflict. is not very confusing conflict. Indeed. Um, this is not something that is unique to Congo. Um, for this time period, this has pretty much been going on forever. And so, um, so, yeah, you see that. So with that, we're going to move on. Um, keep in touch with what's going on in Congo. It's very interesting and very important to learn about. So up next, we're going to be talking about uh, importation of coffee beans into Italy.
1: Ooh.
0: Or so you thought. <laughs> oh, they're actually cocaine. Oh. <laughs> oh, um yeah. So the oh, jeez. So what were supposedly supposed to be coffee beans ended up being cocaine. And so why did the border guards in Italy originally suspect this? Well,
1: it just looks like innocent coffee
0: beans. They and they did look like innocent coffee beans. However, they were under the name of Santino De Antonio.
1: Oh, I've heard that name before.
0: You have heard that name. That's probably because he's from the fictional. Uh, ma- he's a fictional mafia boss from the American movie series John Wick. Oh. Yeah.
1: that's where I heard so, it. so
0: a case fictional and the border guards knew this and they were pretty suspicious to like
1: big, big Hollywood fans
0: yeah they're like <laughs> oh, yeah no. this I dude is not real um, and so <laughs> they were very suspicious of these beans and sure enough they cut one open they found some cocaine powder they cut another one open they found some more cocaine powder they cut open 500 more they found <laughs> more cocaine powder <laughs> so um yeah they, they found all this and they're like whoa what, what, what is going on here? So apparently the beans are taped shut with transparent black tape. So they were cut open just enough to sneak that powder in there, shut it up, and then wrap it up with transparent black tape. So it looks like a normal bean. I mean, it's not like you're staring at the bead looking for the black tape. So normally you get into the border. And considering yeah. how efficient this was, it's clear that this was not the first time this was happening. So, you know, kudos to the drug smugglers. They're pretty good at their job
1: they're creative um, yeah they More are creative than us
0: <laughs> yeah and so um it was about 150 grams <laughs> worth of cocaine um in case you wanted to know and um so yeah i mean you, you do see that and it's definitely very interesting however if you are in the drug smuggling business do not try it with coffee beans because yeah your cover biz- your cover has been blown
1: also <laughs> may i just say how funny it is that this guy shared the same name as a john wick character And that's why he was caught.
0: Yeah. Unless they were just using that name.
1: Oh. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe it could
0: have just been a fake name. I mean, it's a drug dealing operation. I must
1: rescind my kudos to drug dealers for using the name of mobsters.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe it's real and it's not. It wasn't exactly clear from the research I was doing whether this guy is actually... There's actually a guy named that or if they're actually just impersonating some guy from um, John Wick. (laughs) So anyways, we're going to move on to... One of the most important stories of the current international media, and that is the protests in Russia. This is a much more serious topic, and that is because in the province of Sergey um, <laughs> Sergei Fergal, the pro- Kharvorovsk is the province. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, but the governor, Sergei Fergal was arrested on murder charges, according to Moscow, for killing some prominent businessmen 15 years prior. So, he's arrested for these murder charges... So why is, why is everyone so angry about this? I don't know. It well, seems
1: good to bring him to justice, if this is true.
0: Yes, on the surface. However, people are angry because they're not necessarily denying these charges, but they are furious that the Kremlin decided to act on this now, just as he was elected. The candidate that was clearly loyal to Putin had lost, according to the critics of Moscow, which is why Fergal was taken away. Um, so, aka, Putin was kind of angry that he lost, his candidate lost. And so, he was taken out of vengeance on the one who won. By bringing up this this suit now. I mean, because a lot of critics are like, why are you bringing this up now? Like, why 15 years? You're going to wait that long and then put him on trial? Doesn't make sense. Why mm-hmm. don't we try him in our own province? We elected him and he's pretty popular here. You got to take him away just as we got of a good governor, man. Like, mm-hmm. come on, Putin. And yeah, so. And
1: also, they want to try him with their own people.
0: Yeah, he is. Not even... He is a Khervoroskian, I guess. <laughs> That's an ethnicity. And so. Um, What's interesting is that the police are not intervening in this, um, which is unexpected because Putin is pretty known, pretty infamous for just sliding those protesters to the side, covering it up when they decide to scream right. and create Why is that? create drama. Um, so, not intervening because the protests are huge now. It's tens of thousands of people, wow. and they're really making a big influence. And it's all over the news. I mean, it's on CNN, it's on Fox, it's on New York Times. on BBC. Uh Al Jazeera even posted about it. So, I mean, these prominent news sources are posting about it. So, Putin can't just cover this up anymore.
1: And the world at at large. And the world
0: Uh at large. And and furthermore, the most important thing is that, of course, Putin had recently extended his term limits a little bit, to be mild. And Uh this has already angered his critics a lot, because obviously they're critics of Putin. They don't like him, and now he's going to be in office until for another until 2036, um, right. if he actually follows up with this, which makes them angry because now they have to deal with Putin for another 16 years. Um, so yeah, you definitely see that, and because of that, Putin's on thin ice is essentially what I'm trying to get at. And so because, because of that, um, you do see you do see that these protests starting to rile up and rile up and build up on each other, and so you kind of see a coalition starting to form between the people who are anti-Putin and the people who legitimately just care about their governor. And they're forming together because their main goal is, I hate the Kremlin, I hate Moscow, I want justice to be brought, whether that justice is the governor, whether that justice is Putin stopping unconstitutional, which again, Putin does not believe he's unconstitutional. He held a vote, and he says it passed, so Mm -hmm. democracy. But however, again, critics of the, because that is to be fair to Putin, in that um, he he does, he doesn't believe he's doing anything wrong here, and naturally. A lot of people do like Putin. He's not—he's not extremely unpopular. His popularity ratings, his polls, have been definitely declining lately, um, due to the coronavirus response, um, which is what we would think. As that's why his popularity is going down, just as coronavirus started to become prevalent. So it's a pretty safe guess to make. But yeah, you never know why. Maybe polls just dip. But anyways, um, you that—that that is, this is something you see. People are aligning against Putin. There's thousands of people. Like it's crazy, and it's very, very hot out in this province. It's not like the famous Russian winner that napole- Napoleon faced. Like, this it's is... Summertime. Yeah, this is like, this is like being at the Grand Canyon with a sweater on, like, ugh, just, unco- <laughs> it's just, just uncomfortable, it's man. So unpleasant. But they care about their cause enough to do it, which just shows how motivated the people of Khabarovskar.
1: Yeah.
0: Yep. And so... And
1: thousands of them.
0: With that, that is all the news we have for you today. We hope you enjoyed this.
1: Um, we know you enjoyed this.
0: We, uh, <laughs> obviously, we know. And so, of course, feel free to continue to support us. And we hope you have a great day. Continue to learn. Continue to follow these protests. It's very important that you do because this is a very prevalent story right now. And so with that, we hope you have a great day. And we will see you all later. Goodbye.